Welcome to Still Talking Uncut. We're your hosts, Master Distiller Sean Rigsby, and I'm Big Easy. Welcome to the show. We're grateful enough tonight to be joined by Mr. Lawrence Pritchard from Master Distiller uh, Season 1 Mezcal episode. Yep. Thanks for having nice. me, man. Yes, nice sir. Uh, owner, operator of Flat Rock Distillery. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we... We're we're always grateful when we got a third Ohio guy here. So, you know, it's it's always near and dear to our heart. If you if you're from Ohio, we want you on the show. Absolutely. That's, <laughs> so, that's awesome. Yeah, man. Well, Ohio's one of them places that don't get the credit for what they do. I feel like. It's you know, it, we're the forgotten part of Appalachia, that's for sure. I I've noticed that, so well, so yep. especially like especially like southern Ohio, I mean, that's kind of where the Appalachian Mountains kind of those hills down there. That's where it all started, you know, and there's a lot of people that live down there that came from Virginia and, and Kentucky and settled in southern Ohio. So a lot of those people are black for better. We're, we're hillbillies that settled down there. So, yeah, right. It is. It, it, it's sad that we do get forgotten because they, when you think especially about moonshine, because you always think about Tennessee, Kentucky, um, you never really Ohio's not really a part of that equation, but we do make really good liquor here and we do have really good grains here that you can just, you know, go pretty much any little small town to an elevator yeah. and grab corn. Um, so it's a really it's a really great place to actually make good liquor and we've been making good liquor for a long time. So it's definitely time that we get a little bit of recognition for that. Moonshine's best kept secret. <laughs> That's yeah, what I, I think so. We're, we're the best kept secret. Like you know, give us give us our due. Give us our due. So right, That's right. right. So so uh, well, actually, go ahead, Ian. I know you got something to say. What you drinking on? What you drinking on, John? I know it was some apples. Ah, oh, jeez. I'm, <laughs> I'm just drinking on, on some uh, some whiskey. I know this yeah, eats Lawrence alive because he's a brew man. <laughs> yeah, I, actually, I have um, my uh, corn, my corn, sweet corn uh, moonshine. That's what I'm sipping on tonight. Oh, sweet corn, huh? Like is yep, that just yep. like like sweet corn, All right? Not not like super sweet canned corn or, or bad corn. No, no. This, okay. this would be like um, heirloom um, white corn. Oh, and uh, so that's what I use in my main um, my my main moonshine. No, no sugar. Mash it in a little bit of uh, malted barley and run it through a pot still. Oh, nice. Uh, you uh, still from Hillbilly Copper? Yep. Oh, well, from um, Thunder Roads. Uh, oh shit, Thunder Roads. <laughs> I've been fuck. I've been telling everybody wrong the whole time. Sorry, Kevin. <laughs> but, 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 but you know, it's funny because um, when I was running, purpose. when I was running that uh, um, stills on the TV show. Like the first still that I got was a like a column, um, but I got a chance to run on a on a pot with a thumper and a worm, and um, I mean I I fell in love with it. I mean just the way the the liquor taste and the whole experience was so cool that I wanted to um, to actually get one of those, and that's why I contacted Kevin Gordon and got a a still from him. But um, yeah, it's a really cool experience to go on and run on one of those kind of pots, and I always wanted to get one in my distillery when I opened up. Kevin makes beautiful stuff, you know. It's another, yeah, I mean, another, I mean, also shine. Yeah, also shine. I mean, those keg stills are like. I really think that's going to be the the next big thing, um, as far as those types of stills and pretty pretty much across Ohio and the Midwest. I mean, they're just so easy to use, and 
um, everyone can get a get a keg. So yeah, well, yeah. I mean, we're in the beer belt, you know. <laughs> like, right, right. Everybody up here it drinks a lot of beer, and there's there's uh, distributors everywhere. It's not hard to find an old keg. No, no, not yeah. at all. So, um, so tell us a little bit about how you got your start. Um, what kind of history, or you know, if you have any family history, or if your grandfather did it, or yeah, or yeah, just like yeah, just like I said on uh, Master Distiller. I mean, I come from a family of um, from Southern Ohio, um, by Waverly, Nipshin area. Um, so that would be south, uh, west of Chillicothe. That's where my family's from in the hills down there. Um, a lot of moonshine was made down there. Heard a lot of stories. And then uh, when I started my brewery in 2010, um, the uh, state of Ohio approved a micro distillery license. But before that, you'd have to be in a community where, that had over a million people to have a distillery. Um, oh, wow. and that's only, yeah, I know that's only what Columbus and, you know, in uh, Cleveland and so Cincinnati. Your distillery is in what city? My distillery is in Napoleon, Ohio. Okay. Napoleon, so Ohio. yeah, yeah. Little, little small um, town. We have a Campbell's soup factory there. I mean, that's what we're pretty much known for. So um, is that, but, um, what, what are you like just, just North of Columbus in that area or? Yeah. Yeah. So it's like a two hour drive. So it's closer to Toledo than it would be to, to Columbus. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, so up in the Northwest part of Ohio where it's mostly flat. So that's a lot different oh, okay. from you're, where you're, I'm from. You're up in the Northwestern all, part. Gotcha. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Right thinking, up 75. Right okay. up 75. I was thinking yeah, the totally not, other side of the state. So, you know. Yeah. Like, not too far away from Indiana and, and Michigan. Like I think we we're in you know, maybe 10 or 15 minute drive north is Michigan. So, okay. so we're, 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 we're way up mm. here. Um, well, you're on the right side of the line. That's for sure. Always. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there, there's a lot of uh, Michigan fans up here. Yeah. It's so close to Ann Arbor. Yeah. Oh, for sure. For sure. You know, especially here but, lately, you know, they can have it. They can have it for a while. Like, you know, yeah, I, I started, um, I started my brewery in uh, 2012 and then, when they made the uh, micro distillery license uh, legal, I started pursuing, you know, how do I go ahead and, and switch over to um, distilling because it is my family for a very long time illegally. And I wanted to, um, to kind of bring the recipes that I had and the know-how that I had and the family history that I have and actually go legal. And that's what I talked about on the TV show. And that's what I ended up doing in Napoleon. Nice. So, um, did you say your grandfather done it? Yeah, that's – I mean, I try to – my dad tells me more of the stories. My aunt doesn't want anyone to know, which I understand because uh-huh. th- this is her dad. Um, and moonshining back then wasn't as – I want. I don't want to say glamorous, but there wasn't a TV show, of course. There wasn't anything mm-hmm. – people wanting to be a moonshiner. It, it was it one was, of those things it, that – It wasn't socially acceptable, you know. It right, was something right. that, that, you know, if your neighbor knew – they're going to call a law on you, whereas now if your neighbor knows, they're going to ask you for a jar. Right, exactly. Or, yeah, or, or, or how, where'd you get your soul from and yeah. all the other stuff. But back then, so I, so I do understand her concern because um, you see a, a person a certain way, but um, now, it, like I said, it's, it is more socially acceptable. I mean, they're even talking about legalizing home distilling um, in Ohio. So it's like, it's just a different day, but I do understand that. But um, from what I understand, he was a moonshiner and he was a bootlegger um, in Southern Ohio. Um, so that's kind of where my history okay. started down there. So is your family from like the Straitsville area or? No, they're, they're going to be like um, Waverly. Pike County? Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, Pike. Yeah, around the border of Pike and Ross. Okay. 
Right, right around that area, right around that area where if you've ever been there before, I mean, there's not much there, but a few trailers died in the sides of the hills, and that's you know, <laughs> it's that beautiful though. Much. You know, you it, down, it really is. You get it down really in them foothills, you know, it's peaceful. You might hear a banjo every now and then. That's cool though. Ain't nothing yeah, wrong with that. And we, you know, uh, you, we know, you, the- you, you can smell the mash and go around, go next holler over and get you a nice jar of liquor, no matter where <laughs> you are. So yeah, we went down to uh, Silcox that time. In yeah. Waverly, yep, and uh, that was fun. Neither one of us had phone service, and I took both sets of keys for both of our cars. Yeah, so you know, we go down and uh, we're 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 here, and there's there's nothing, you know, it's there's no there's no cell service, and and we start heading back, and all of a sudden, Sean's phone's like ding 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 ding, ding. and he, <laughs> he, he he calls the old lady, and she's like, "You took both sets? Where you know where the keys are?" He pulls out both sets of keys out of his pocket, and I'm just like, "This is, that does not surprise me at all that you walked out of the house with all the keys." Well, she she took Braden fishing, and she dropped him off with a friend, and then she was supposed to pick him up, and we were like two hours away. <laughs> just accept fault. Let, let's just yeah. say, uh, Sean Sean had a hefty tag when he ordered dinner that night. So <laughs> ordered it from the road. Like, I'm sending dinner home right now. I got you, man. <laughs> Sold you out. Sold you out, Sean. My bad. That's oh, all right. <laughs> but yeah, that's um that's where my family's from, and um it's uh it's a lot different. The terrain and all that stuff is a lot different down there than it is up here. It's pretty flat. It's all corn. Which, which isn't a bad thing for me because no. um, I got a lot of uh, farmers up here that grow corn for, for the distillery. Um, you can't, it's not hard to find really get good corn up here because everyone's growing it. So. Yeah, Absolutely. One thing there's no shortage of around here is corn and apples. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. And I tell people that they're from like North Carolina or Tennessee in the mountains and they're like, well, I got, yeah, I got, I got to drive four hours to get corn. I'm like, you do? I was like, I can have half an hour drive out of town. I walk across the street. There you go. I can walk across the street. What are you talking about? Yeah, we've got cornfield <laughs> right out here. Ain't, probably ain't no good, but. <laughs> it's got starch. Corn. It'll make liquor. Yeah. yeah. They have to <laughs> drive so far stuff. just to get, just to get corn. It's, I mean, like I said, I mean, that's why I, I really think that Ohio, this is our time to really. You know, get out there and show people what we can do as far as um, the liquor that we can run here, and that and not just moonshine, but vodka and uh, whiskey, bourbon, all that stuff. I really think that Ohio bourbon is going to be really hot mm-hmm. within the next, you know, five or six years because there's a lot of distilleries that are really pumping out really great products right now across the state. We have we have the perfect climate. You know, it's such oh, yeah. a swing here. It's so bipolar, up and down. I know. You know it really like, is. like today, was you know. Saturday night, snow six inches <laughs> where we're at. You know, we're in southern Ohio, and then you know, temperature drops forty degrees overnight from the next right. night, and, and then and then it goes back up to seventy, and it's just it's crazy here. It's 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 definitely it's perfect for making good good bourbons and good whiskeys in the barrels. Yeah, absolutely. Though. Yep. But yeah, yep. that's kind of my my thing. Um, we, we opened a brewery first, and then we kind of um, eased into the distillery. Um, I didn't sell a drop for a year and a half after I got the license. I just made it and experimented and really wanted to learn the craft from the ground up. And so that was back in 2013. So it took me a while to get to a point where we were ready to open. And that was, um, I would say about six or seven months before I went on the show, we had finally got a chance to open. Um, 
And then um, going on Master Distiller, of course, we're all excited to go on the TV show and have everybody watch it. But the thing um, for our episode, I think it was um, March the 19th, 2020. Uh, my episode was supposed to air. And uh, we had plans to have a bunch of friends at BW3s in this small town uh, next to ours. And everything was great. But then Ohio shut everything down March 17th, two days before the premiere. So that kind of like our, our episodes just kind of got not, not really people watch them, but like it wasn't you couldn't go to watch parties and things like that because we we're mm-hmm. actually on lockdown during that time. So you, you didn't get to celebrate it with your friends the way you wanted to. You know, no, that, no, that's kind no. of a. You know, Sean went through the same thing. I remember he's like, hey, man, my watch party's on this date. And I'm like, cool, man, you know, all ready to go. And he's like, oh, we got COVID. Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, you keep your ass at home, man. I don't want nothing to do with that. <laughs> yep. Yeah, That's yeah, all good, they, though. They we had... get to go. Go ahead. Oh, yeah. Like I said, I mean, it was um, for, for our episodes, it was it was tough because a lot of people didn't even get to see them. Yeah, they're at home, but there was so much, so much stuff going on that mm-hmm. a lot of our episodes kind of got missed by people. So they're watching them now because of the other seasons. They're going back and rewatching or watching the first season well, again. Yeah. So. There was only like what five episodes uh, on the first season. I, I think I think it was like five or six episodes. I of... think I think it was five, and then they did like um, a judge uh, judges. Thing. Yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't yeah. count that one. <laughs> I count, <you> know, <laughs> to, to me, it, to me, the episodes are are the new guys that get to come in, right? You know, yeah, I like those absolutely. episodes, but I really enjoy the, the new guys, you know, the people you don't know. You know, let's see who this person is. and let's, Or the let's people you do know. Right, yeah. exactly. Yeah. yeah, You know, like, let's see their personality. Let's see how they hold up. Um, let, let's uh, let, let's see what kind of Frankenstein rig they make that JJ's <laughs> going to make on Wednesday. So. <laughs> yep. So, yeah, it's really cool to see the new people. And I, I always knew that, um, that there are new people coming on because I'd get a bunch of friend requests. And they'd have the Master Distiller logo on their um, Facebook profiles. So I'm like, okay, this is must be the next season filming right now. That's <laughs> so, but yeah, I mean, it, it was um, going back to the show. It was really cool to do it. I know we get a lot of, um, I guess, the second and third um, season, we get a lot of, I wouldn't say hate, but a lot of people, you know, make comments about how it's not, um, uh, it's not real and it's all, it's this and that. But one of the things I've already said to people when they when they say that, if you look at their Facebook friends, there's always a Magilla casting director um, on, on their list. So that means they're jealous. They tried, they they, yeah, yeah. They, they, yeah, they tried to get on and they didn't. When they didn't get on, it's like, what's well, fake? You guys it, suck. And you know, know, it's, 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 there's no reason to be sour because you don't get on. You know, like, if they want you, yeah. your, time, your time will come. You right. know, um, and and you know it's fake. It's fake. It's TV. It's entertainment. Right. You know, like yeah. like getting on there and, and and competing and doing your thing. There ain't, ain't nothing fake about that. Ain't nothing yeah. fake about uh, about you being yeah. under the fire and having to make that make the best run of liquor you ever made in your life in in time constraints yeah. like you've never had. Right, before. right. In a, in a really small amount of time, time it really is, and really mm-hmm. have to like be on your game while there's cameras in your face and there's. Lighting equipment everywhere, and there's people telling you, like, you know, this is what we're doing. Know, like, no, no. Like the 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 main show, the real show, it's entertainment. You know, like right. if, oh, yeah. if if they showed you everything that you really did every day, it would bore <laughs> people to death, and they yeah. would quit watching. They'd be like, "Oh man, this is boring." Like, I, I've watched this dude spill the same thing four times, or right, or, 
or that dude just cusses when he breaks shit all the time. <laughs> like, yeah. oh, this is so boring watching that still run for for twelve or fourteen hours. Like, I'm watching something else, man. So, you want to be entertained, and you want you want you know, it's entertainment. Right. So, yeah. Oh, yeah. And then, it, you know, I used to watch Moonshine with my, well, I mean, I still do, but with my kids, I mean, all the way from the first episode. So, wait, I was a fan even before I even got on the TV show. Um, so, it's it's like, I, I know a lot of people that went on and never even watched the show before. So, when I when they called me, I was like, I was blown away and I was so happy and uh, awesome. that they gave me an opportunity to go on. So, that was really cool. So. But up here in Ohio, like, um, I get – sometimes we'll get recognized down, of course, the Hillbilly Jams and if I'm walking around Gatlinburg or something. But nobody really cares up here. <laughs> no. It's not that it's not that big of a deal for, for people, especially in northern Ohio. They're just, like – they normally don't even um, no. um, drink, drink moonshine or they had it before and it was too hot or, you know, just that, those kind of things. They never really tried moonshine before. They never even watched the show. It's It's not as – like Ian said, socially acceptable, I guess, per se, as it is in Kentucky, Tennessee, right? you know, Southern Ohio. <clears throat> right. But, so what is one of your, well, when you first started making, well. So <laughs> you you write, brewing, write your questions down, Sean. So you know <laughs> what you want to ask. <laughs> I never do. Never do. Um, we could tell. <laughs> good hell. But anyway. <laughs> so you were brewing actually before you were making whiskey, right? Yeah, yeah. So I, I wanted to. I mean, how do I say this? So I was doing a little bit of the sewing um, before brewing, um, but and that was always my dream was to, to open that distillery. But the the microbrewery license came out before the micro distillery license, so now that's when, why I decided to that. When when you when you first started your little distillery, what was your first thing you was running on? Okay. Um, I know. Uh, look, look. Yeah, actually, I had a um, a real hillbilly from Barlow, Kentucky. I had one of their um, kettles with the uh, the column. So, okay. so like that's that's what I was running on like uh, about twelve years ago. That's kind of okay. where I start. I I started on a bigger system on one of the hillbilly stills, um, and there, those are really nice units, very expensive. But um, it was one of those things that you really learn how to make cuts and. Um, learn about reflux and all this other stuff. And that's kind of the way I learned um, and then kind of branched off in the pot stills and things like that. I just wanted to learn everything, how to make every liquor from gin to vodka to moonshine and make it the right way. Mm-hmm. But, but my yeah. first, my, my first um, liquor that I made was a sweet corn um, moonshine that I have right now, right, right here. So. And, and so, you know, you, you came up brewing beer, yeah, yeah, and and, and then a lot yeah. of people, um, when they ask me how do they get started uh, with distilling, I always tell them start home brewing first, because you'll be surprised. Thanks. And I know Sean, Sean, you've probably seen this before. People want to start distilling, and they jump right into trying to buy a still. Mm-hmm. Um, that's that's like that's not the way to do it. Learn how to brew beer because when you brew beer, one, it's legal. You're allowed to home brew, and you learn how to um, manipulate the amylase that's in barley to convert things. And then you get a beer out of that, but you feel comfortable making a beer mash. You're going to, you're going to be able to, to do a corn mash and you understanding know, breaking down starches and things like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You, you know, everything with beer has got to be sanitized. It's got to be yep. clean. Absolutely. You know? And that's, to me, that's, a, that's one of the biggest difference between 
brewing beer and, and making shine. <laughs> you, you don't have to be so much worried about sanitization yeah. as far as like star sand, star sands, clean, 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 clean. And I know there's a right. few bugs in there. It'll be all right. Yeah, it'll be all right. Put your finger yeah, in there. I, it'll I, be okay. I've sitting I've sit into a lot of uh, on a lot of um liquor runs. I'm not naming names, uh, especially down in Tennessee. And some of these guys where I went to go visit, um, I mean, their sacks were like spotless. And they were using star sand and PBW mm-hmm. and things like that to clean things. So it really depends on the person. Like oh, there's yeah. a lot of guys and ladies out there that are distilling and um making shine and they're like their still houses are immaculate. Like they just you know, but then again, I know a lot of people that run in the back of their property somewhere and there's blue totes everywhere and there's bugs in them and they're like, oh, I don't just scoot those out. And like, I'm That'd watching this, like, wow, I'm like, this is, they're really going to run this. Um, yep. And, that, and it's, it has been some of the best um, liquor I've ever had in my life. So I think it really depends on the person. But yeah, home brewing gets you into that mindset of making mash and sanitizing and understanding how amylase work and um, how Martha Barley breaks things down. Um, so I always tell people, if you're going to start out distilling, start out making beer. And then you got beer while you're learning how to how to make a mash. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I always tell people, like, start by making wine. Start by making wine. Simple right. wine. Simple, you know, like, it's easy for you to do. And, and then if you and then if you can master a wine, just like if you can master a beer, then distilling the next step is so much easier on you. As Absolutely. Supposed to trying to figure it all out at one time, you know, it could be, well, it could I mean, be I, and, and that's that's the reason why. If you ever see um, some of these posts online, um, that you see uh, people are asking, like, okay, I got my still, how do I make a sugar wash? And so, I'm like, wow, man, you really should just learn how to do a mash first and then you know, go into actually um, find the still because you know, you, you're gonna get a still and then. You're not going to know how to make alcohol and and how to make a mash. You're just going to start out with a with a sugar wash. It's better to learn how to make the mash first because I can tell you it just makes a better liquor. You know when you're using yeah. grain. I muted Sean for a second. <laughs> it's all good. You go ahead and keep talking. They're stacking up shopping carts over there. So. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh man! But yeah, yeah, that's kind of what when I when people ask me how to get started with um, distilling and where, what's the first step, I always tell them to um, make beer, because awesome. I do know a lot of people that spent ten grand on stills and didn't even know how to make a mash, and um, you know that's making a mash and knowing how to convert things and knowing how to convert um, carbohydrates and the sugars how yeast propagates, those kind of things you got to learn before you even try to buy a still. And, um, you know, that you, it'll make your liquor better, you know, like know, knowing how to do all that will make your liquor better. So your, your first runs aren't like, oh, oh, God, right. that's bad. Oh, I don't know and, about and, this. And I've, seen, and I've seen people do that and get discouraged and never run again. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, oh, yeah. So it, 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 it's really better to, like, learn how to make the masters and just, like I said, homebrew is legal, get that out of the way, and then you feel comfortable making a good beer, then – when you get your still and run it, it's going to be um, you're going to make some good liquor. So, 
Yeah, it's, it's all part of the process. And some people like that. Some people like to study and, and go in slow and get it all right. And then, you know, some people are just like, man, I'm diving in head first. And yeah, yeah, give watch, me that still. Yeah, watch this train wreck happen. It's going to be a good time. Yeah. Let's get it. Yeah. That's me. I'm a train wreck. I, I'm, I ain't going to lie. And I've seen people so disappointed <laughs> when they taste the liquor just from a regular sugar wash. They're like, man, it wasn't as good as I thought it was going to be. And I'm like, Man, I mean, you really got to learn how to use grain. Yeah. You just can't throw sugar and, um, and yeast together and put a straight face, drink it, and say it's good. I mean, you got to throw some corn in there, some malted barley. You got to know how flavor, to convert. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah, well, so, everybody just thinks, you know, hey, I'm going to add 70 pounds of sugar to this barrel, whether or not it needs it. You know, they don't convert yeah. any and then just bump it up if they don't get the conversion they want. Right, right. So, but, yeah, I mean, that's – my thing it's um started out brewing and um was waiting to get the distillery license got it and um really learned the craft from the ground up for like a year and a half didn't sell an, an ounce and then we got a chance to open and then right i want to say right before my show aired and then like i said COVID shut us down where we couldn't have anyone in the distillery um and we were just making hand sanitizer the yeah. whole time so so we're we're just now getting started again from from COVID. We're just now getting back on our feet and getting production up and all that other good stuff. Trying to get everything, um, customers back to town and things like that. So that's that's kind of where we're at. And and bigger cities recover a lot faster than smaller towns, farm towns do. Oh yeah. yeah. Um, and that and that's kind of where we're at right now. We're we're we got hit hard by COVID, and then the gas prices went up, and then we couldn't find workers. So, you know, small towns all across the Midwest and probably the South, too, um, they're really still struggling from, from COVID. But so, um, we're, we're, we're just now getting back up and running. Speaking of the, of the distillery, um, you do a lot of labels for people, I've noticed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, about that. Yeah, I've heard, of, I've heard a little bit from Sean about this. So I'm really intrigued to hear you, hear you speak on, on this. So. Yeah, yeah. Um, so my favorite thing to do is when somebody – um, it was always a dream for me to have a distillery after finding out about my grandfather moonshining and bootlegging and things like that. I always wanted to have my own distillery and, um, we tried to do a lot of things to, to get it. And now it was just more and more and more disappointment. And then when I got a chance to open it, I always told myself, whoever came to me and they wanted a label, um, and they, but they didn't have the money or the means to open a distillery. I wanted to help them out. And that's something that I've always been pretty proud and happy to do um, is to help people that um, want to have their own label. We'll help them actually create a label for them. Um, and I, I get tickled to death when I see people like, hey, this is my bottle and I made, you know, this is my recipe. Um, and that's something that they've dreamt about for a long time too. It could be their grandfather's recipe, a great grandpa, um, wherever. They I've just don't have the ability. <laughs> What's that? <laughs> I've been dreaming for two years, but anyway. Oh, uh, no, yeah. I mean, <laughs> well, I get, I, 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 your, your time is coming eventually. That's what I heard. But, but, yeah, that's, that's I, something that um, – I'm kind of disappointed really that, doing that. that Lawrence missed a shot to take a shot at Sean right there. So. Ah, I can't do that. I'm, I'm, I'm glad Sean <laughs> took it at himself. You know, you can't even dodge him from himself, my man. Hey, man, I'd rather my say man. it to someone else because – you know, as a as a just a, a lot, you know, a lifelong uh, home distiller, that's what you dream of. You know, we all dream of that. Like, man, seeing my face, my ugly face, on a bottle or my label, my name on it, how, however it would turn out. You know, just 
that's a dream that a lot of us have who who you know we don't we don't make liquor for to sell we don't we don't make it to to make money off of it's just for the love and the passion of it and just to see your face or your label on on a bottle you know and like you said most most people don't have the means to open a distillery to do that so so Sorry, I interrupted you. <laughs> Keep talking about it. But, but yeah, um, we uh, that's a, my most favorite thing about having the distillery is be able to um, help people that wanted their own label and, and they want to um, work on a recipe and then get it out there. Um, it's it, it's one of the, the rewards about running the distillery like that. And we got approached by a lot of people um, and uh, Way Jennings and um, Huck uh, Stewart from the show. Banfield, um, Ewok. Um, so we got, we have a few others in the works too, but it's, um, it's a really cool, cool thing to see people that from the TV show, like Ewok and Van and Huck too. I mean, Huck and Mark Rogers, I've been watching them, like I said, before I even went on the show and, um, being able to work with them is like, it's a, it's a blessing for sure. So, uh, so say, say I wanted, I was like, Hey Lawrence, man, you know, I want to, I want to make my own label, you know, I want to, mm-hmm. I want to sell banana brandy, you know, that's, that's, that's my thing. I like it. You know, I think it, it, it should be on a shelf. Um, what would be the process that I would have to do to make this happen? Well, you just contact me and we would sit down and um, talk about what, you know, the recipe is and how big of a launch that you want to do. Um, and then there's a few other things that kind of happen between me and the party that actually wants to make it. Mm-hmm. Um, we figure out how much it's going to cost because believe it or not, I mean, it does cost a lot of money to launch a label. I mean, it's, we, we, we've done a few of them and, and it's the whole process, the lawyer, the, um, the legal team to make sure that everything is correct with the TTB mm-hmm. and with the state of Ohio. Um, and then we even have to deal with North Carolina too. Um, also having a broker uh, to sell things in different states. I mean, there's a lot of money that, that actually goes into it. And my thing is like, I like to start small for someone and oh, yeah. if yours take, takes off, we just keep building it and building mm-hmm. it and building it. And that's just the way I approach business. I mean, I, I really don't try to do a really huge launch because I, I, you don't know how yeah. well it's going to be received. And we're a small distillery. We're not a big multi-million dollar distillery. So a failure could really, you know, ruin the business completely. Oh, yeah. A, a small hit to a small guy is, is a big hit, you know. Right. It's not like it's right. like the big guy. He could just he could just wipe off, you know, ten twenty thousand dollar hit here and there. Like, well, you know, that'll break a small guy. That'll break right, it hard right. too. So yeah, and they, and they can just kind of move on. But for us, we got to be really careful. Um, do a little bit of market research, and then um, you know, start a small distribution, a small run to see how it goes. And then my thing is like, I don't like it's a marathon, not a sprint. So a lot of people that we do labels for, I tell them right out off the bat, I'm like, hey, this might take a while, a year or two or three years, but we're going to let this grow organically so that it's not a flash in the pan. It's something that's going to be around for a long time. And if it grows slowly and it it gets better, we put more and more of the funds that we we get back from the revenue of sales back into the product itself. And it just kind of keeps growing from there. Um, And I want to have every one of our labels to be extremely successful and then be nationwide, but I know that for a smaller distillery, that's just going to take a, a little bit longer than some of the larger people that can pump yeah. more money into, you know, marketing and, and advertising and things like that. So, so we're more yeah. we're more like a like a grassroots when it comes to, mm-hmm. um, to um, signing people to labels. Now, do you guys are, are you able to ship alcohol? Like, do, are you able to mail alcohol? Um, it depends on the state. There's a few states okay. that we're allowed to actually um, ship to. 
Okay. Um, but we're but if you get a distributor, um, you can actually start shipping. I believe to most of the states, and there's a distributor reciprocity where you can ship from this distributor in Arkansas over to this distributor um, in Kentucky or whatever. We just like I said, being small, it's hard for us to acquire. Yeah. You know, you know, a good distributor. Understandable. Um, but we're but we've been working on it. But yeah, we can ship to a few states. Um, but my main goal right now is just to get into ABC stores and as many states as we possibly can so that, you know, we don't have to worry about shipping charges and stuff like that. You can go straight to ABC store and then, and then grab the product there. Gotcha. Okay. That's so cool now can you ship man. it within Ohio? No. Yeah. It's actually illegal to ship alcohol in Ohio. So not, not yet. So my fingers are crossed that <clears throat> um, do that because that would really help out with, with um, sales, especially with distilleries that are in a smaller town. Because um, some, not, not to speak about the other distillers the, the that there were smaller towns, it says my town where we are, we don't get a lot of walk, walking traffic. Um, the whole town shuts down at five o'clock pretty much. Um, so we miss out on a lot of retail sales that I think distilleries and bigger towns enjoy, like Columbus yeah. or Cleveland, where there's yeah. like more of a nightlife, you know, um, around the distillery. So being able to ship would be a huge, huge deal for us. But mm-hmm. at this time, it's illegal to ship alcohol. From a distillery to uh, gotcha, customer, gotcha. so hopefully that's going to change soon. Hopefully, hopefully, yeah. you know that you saw they uh, they have that uh, SB thirteen in the house. They're voting on right. allow home distilling, allow you to to give it to your friends, allow you to mail it to your buddies. Um, I, man, yeah. like you know, like hundred gallons per twenty one per person of twenty one in your household. Let's get it, man. Let's get it. Right. <laughs> So, yeah, yeah, and I, I, I don't, I don't think it's a bad thing because, like, twenty years ago, there wasn't, I mean, a lot of the internet. You couldn't go on the internet and look up mm-hmm. stuff. You had to go up to the library or something like that. So, yeah, that could be very dangerous to let people start home distilling because you can really hurt someone if you don't know what you're doing. Not to say that someone that can just go on the website and figure out how to distill isn't going to hurt someone. I think they're going to be people getting sick and things like that because they're, they don't know what they're doing with the distills. Um, but for the most part. There's enough information out there that you can kind of know what's what to throw away and what to smell for and um, yeah, you know, safety with vapors and stuff like that. Like I, I was talking the other night. Like we're living in the moonshine moonshine renaissance. It's a moonshine renaissance right now, with just the explosion of the craft and in the in the um you know the social acceptability of it and just all the different things. Like 12 years ago, you talk about that little pot you started on. You know, like. You didn't have right. access to, to 10 different people you could call and get whatever you wanted built. If you, if you can imagine it now, you could have it built by five to 10 different guys. Oh, yeah. Like that, in Ohio. Like yeah. Within Ohio. In Ohio, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, 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 it's insanity, <clears throat> you know? Like, And if uh, if you want to know how to make something you're not sure, well, you're, it's easy for you to find the person. That's what they do, you know? Like, oh, man, they, that's I know this guy makes this. It's what he does. It's what I want to make. I'm going to get it straight from the source. It's right. so easily now. Yeah, yep. a- absolutely. And that, that's one of the, not to go off the subject, but um, that's one of the reasons why, and I know a lot of people give us shit when we call ourselves moonshiners. Like, oh, I don't like to call myself moonshiner. And I don't like, I kind of like the fact that if you make, if you make moonshine or you're a distiller and you're part of that, um, I, I don't want to say counterculture. I like the fact that you call yourself a moonshiner because of that fact. Because when I get a friend request or I, I meet someone that's moonshine or whatever, I know I'm going to have a conversation about where he gets his corn from. I know we're going to chit chat about things that I'm, I enjoy and I'm interested mm-hmm. in. 
So it's it's kind of like one of those things. It's a badge that when I see it, I know we have the same kind of um, background. We have the same kind of um, hobbies share, and yeah, what we share, like to drink and things like that. Yeah, you, so, you share so, a common passion. You share a common passion. Yeah, when, yeah. You know it. You know it without even hearing them speak. Like, exactly. man, I, I got a common passion with that person. We're probably going to get along. <laughs> and that's what that's why I like the fact that people call themselves moonshine or whatever because then I know if I see them online or I see them at the Hibla Jam, I know what conversation that we're going to have, and I know, I know that they're there um, to learn and let me try some stuff. I'm going to try some good shine, um, hopefully, and uh, I, I know this person is somebody that I can hang out with because you know they're they're um, part of my culture. And then so, before before you know it, they're your friend, and then all right. of a sudden you you call them like a family member. You look at them like a family member, you know. It's like, yeah. I, I, absolutely, man. I mean, that's one of the things. Like when I went to the first Hillbilly Jam, um, I, I was invited to so many houses and, around Tennessee and North Carolina that people were, "Hey, let me show you my still." And I'm running some stuff back here. Can you come out? Can you come out? And my wife's like, "Man, we're just gonna stay back in the cabin if we're gonna be running up and down the mountains like that." But I mean, people are really are out there making some really good shine. I mean, they really are making, um, running it and running stills. And, you know, it's, I mean, it's like, yeah, the show is a show, but there's people out there that, you know, really know what they're doing and making good product, um, yeah. even though it is illegal. So, yep. um, but yeah, that, that, that's, like I said, I, I know people kind of get upset when you say, well, I don't call myself a moonshiner. Why do you call yourself a moonshiner? I, I like it because like I said, I, I know who I'm dealing with. Yeah, that makes sense. But, uh, so speaking of, you know, uh, you own a distillery and all that, and as people get on Master Distiller, uh, whether they, you know, win or learn, um, well, it's all learning, but uh, they want to open a distillery, you know? So right. people, like, talk a little bit about that, like what, what it takes to open a distillery. You know, what, 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 <clears throat> what, what, what kind of shit do you got to wade through here in Ohio to open a distillery? That's, you know, that's I, I, honestly – Honestly, from talking to so many, a lot of people that want to start a distillery, they're on Moonshiners or Master Distiller, um, or people that just know, they, they normally um, hit me up on, you know, Facebook or send me an email or something like, with a lot of questions because we've done it. So, you know, I've I moved three or four times. Um, I've been in business for over a decade. Um, so I can tell you that Ohio really isn't that bad of a state to open a distillery in. Um, it's just the biggest thing is um, – Jumping through all the hoops as far as coding goes, are you gonna? You can't use the open flame in some buildings. Um, so there's a lot of it that goes into actually um, setting up your distillery, depending on where it is. Um, but as far as with the laws and things like that, um, the state of Ohio is actually pretty good with making sure that you have everything that you need to apply. Um, especially if you're gonna do a micro distillery, because they have an A3A license right now, where I mean it's it's barely anything to open as far as the license itself. And then the TTB license is actually free. So once you have your building and everything all set up, the licenses are not that expensive and they're, it's, the application process is pretty straightforward and easy. So now, now do you have to have your building all set up before you apply for this stuff? Yeah. Yeah. You're supposed to have a, your, your building ready to go because on the, the, um, the fed, the fed license through the TTB, they actually ask you for, um, dimensions and floor plans and the address okay. and all that other stuff. So yeah, you have, to, you have to have a building set up. And when we first started, it was like we waited for a little over a year. But I think the wait time now, if you have everything done properly, is about three to four months. 
That's not bad. That's not bad. No, like, that that's the daunting task for most people mm. is putting all that money into getting everything set up, and then you know, what if, what if something happens? What if something happens and it doesn't happen? You know, like so, I could see how that could be. Uh, that could be the nail biting process of it. Like I got everything ready to go, but what if? Because you just never yeah. know. Well, I mean, if you don't have any money coming in, you know, and you're just sitting right. on that lease, that's going to cost you. Yeah. Well, yeah. just say for shits and giggles, it costs you five grand a month. Hopefully you, mm-hmm. you don't get into anything like that, but uh, yeah, that's a lot of money if you don't lot for it up front for the first twelve months and not making any money. Absolutely, your, your build out too. If you're going to do any remodeling, um, um, all the permits that you have to get to, um, the inspections. I mean, yeah, just funny. anything can really really trip that process up where you can't open. And then we're talking six months to almost a year that you're waiting. But like you said, you're eating the the, the cost of the rent and electricity and gas and everything else. While and you're it, sitting there waiting, waiting to get approved, and then you know then, you could you could always run into some BS like old uh you know Daryl did yeah you know like he was right. about there and then just some some bull crap got dumped on him and it set you back and and so you know if 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 you're gonna do it man you better uh, you better tighten your britches up yeah it's not for it's not for everyone it really yes. isn't like if you want if you think you're just gonna sell a million dollars worth of liquor. Um, I mean, you might if you're in a really good tourist area, but I mean, it's going to be a grind and yeah. you're going to have to work for every single penny that you get. Uh, and you have to be careful about the decisions that you make. And then before you know it, um, you're growing and you're selling a lot of liquor. Then you got to look at expansion. And does that mean you get a loan or do you partner with someone? And what is that going to look like? And there's a lot of people out there that are just waiting with money that are waiting to take your dream and make mm-hmm. it their own. But sometimes when that happens, um, you know, their dream kind of preempts yours. And then you find yeah. that you, you got into this whole thing to, to start a distillery and kind of honor your family and keep the heritage going. But then you have someone that wants their vision for you. It's just not the same anymore. So that's mm-hmm. what I would say. Like if you're going to start a distillery, the easy part really is the open. It's just once you start selling and once you want to expand, and you're trying to raise capital to do that because you know you're you're you have more demand than you have product, and you have to expand. Just be very careful who you go into business with. Um, get everything in writing, um, and just you know, not everybody is your is your friend, even though they're friendly. That that's my biggest advice. Try to try to do as much as you can on your own. Um, when, when when it comes to money, usually there aren't any friends. You know? <laughs> like, yeah, unfortunately, you know, and that's just the way it goes. Like, and when that, somebody and when somebody puts some money in it, they automatically, you know, want to be the boss. Yeah, right, and, right, uh, and it may and it may not even start out that way. They could, you know, hey, we, we're going to be partners and everything's going to be great. It's always after everything is going is when the true you know, intentions kind of come out. Mm-hmm. And so you got to be careful with that because if you start a small distillery, it's not because you want to get rich. It's because it's in your heart. It's in your soul. You want to go legal. You want to make your product. You're proud of what you're doing. Um, and, and it's just, it's tough because you want to grow and you want to raise capital. But like I said, you can't trust it. You can't trust everyone. Mm-hmm. So when you're talking about mergers and partnerships and things like that, you have to be very, very careful. Because um, everybody wants to get in on something now on the ground floor, but when it's established and you're actually doing well. Yeah. You know, I, I feel like a, a small micro distillery would be great for somebody that's retired. that don't need to make a whole lot of money. Do mm-hmm. something to, you know, not necessarily break even, but make a few dollars, you know, right. but that they love to do. 
Yep, yep, absolutely. I mean, honestly, between brewing and distilling, distilling is a lot easier. I mean, that's something that I'd, I'm looking forward to just doing distilling <laughs> and not brewing at all because brewing's definitely a young man's or a young woman's thing um, because it's a lot more heavier grains and you're just cleaning all the time. There's a, I feel like there's a lot more work. There's a ton um, more and, work. And, right. and brewing beer. Yeah. So right. I, I'm looking forward to the day where I'm just like, all right, I don't have to brew anymore. All I got to do is sit back and in a rocking yeah. chair and just watch my stills run and <laughs> watch them run, man. <laughs> That's like, it. Yeah. There ain't, part of the job. <laughs> there, ain't, there ain't nothing like like distilling as opposed to making beer or making wine. Like, I mean, give me a distill. Like, oh, it got infected. Well, Good. <laughs> right. Right. I know. Yeah. I, th- I think I think the biggest thing is with distilling, you can kind of drink a little bit, but brewing you can't because I've been drunk a few times or drank too much while I was brewing and forgot to close a valve or forgot to do this. There's so many different steps of brewing that can ruin an entire batch of beer. Yeah. Um, but with distilling, I've been around people running liquor and they've just been, you know, just completely yeah. intoxicated. And it wasn't you, a problem. Like, you know. <laughs> Did you forget to pop the cap one time? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. I've done that before. I got some love vents on my pot because, because I was drinking too much and forgot to vent after I was done. <laughs> Hey, I, I don't care who you are, man. First time you run run a still ever, and it first starts coming out of the end of that worm, you are trying way too much that time because you just don't know. Like, <laughs> oh, oh, I gotta see, I gotta yep. see it, and then it ain't it ain't real good, but it doesn't matter. You're just you're amazed, you're happy, and then before you know it, you're just fucking plastered. And <laughs> like, how'd your first run go? Like, oh, I don't remember half of it. No, no, <laughs> and, been- and I, I was drinking a lot of. Um, the stuff I was running too, because we weren't really selling it. So I had like, you know, parts everywhere pretty much. And you yeah. know, just drinking and trying different things and trying the tails and things like that. But that, like I said, I mean, it's, that's kind of it for me. I can't drink that much when I'm brewing because I had to watch so much, but distilling, I mean, so, I, I can pretty much drink on anything I want to the whole time. I'm after that happened, um, I got to ask, did you happen to put a land revival on that? There was a valve on there already. I just didn't open it. Yeah, yeah. I, that that was my oh, Richard. I, just, I, I I was um, I shut everything down, and I'm like, I gotta go home. I'm I this is just I drank too much, and I came in the next day, and it was bent over like this, like uh, you know. And oh, I'm like, oh man. So yeah, it's, what I um, do, what I do. I know, I know. I was pretty pissed off, but uh, <laughs> but yeah, everybody kind of makes those mistakes too, and kind of that that, and that's the coolest thing about distilling. I mean, you make mistakes and learn, and then you kind of you kind of just move on. So, oh yeah, well, and it's always something, you know, whether you find a, a, a new spot on a still where you wind up having a leak, you know, you always learn something every time you run it. I feel like, right, absolutely, it's, it's always different. Always. Yeah, I mean. The, the the biggest thing for me is like I I would just um, switch to another um, corn supplier and um, it's uh, Schoolhouse Farms 1862 down in Rockford Ohio and I know there's a few other distillers that actually hit him up for grain which I'm really happy about um, to keep him busy Vaughn uh, Davis over there at Schoolhouse busy but um, yeah. you can even yeah. you can even tell the difference between um, corn from here and corn from there just just grown in, in different um, in different parts of Ohio, that at least I can tell in my corn moonshine. Um, and that's the coolest thing about it is like, you know, changing the ingredients, changing the way you're, you're doing mash that you can actually get to the point where you can taste the difference and, you know, changes in the mashes. 
and there's a lot of things that definitely will change that too. You know, the yeast will, mm-hmm. you know, the mall, all, all kinds of stuff. Whether you're running through a thumper, you know, not right. redistill. But what's um, in the thumper? Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. So are you are you an advocate for redistilling things, or do you run it once and done through a thumper, or what's your? No, um, I, I like uh, stripping. I do a lot of stripping runs. Um, do you strip I, I single, like, or do you run it through a thumper when you strip, or is it just single arm? Oh, uh, sing, single. single. I strip single, and then I'll, I'll add my strip run to the mash just to increase the ABV. Um, and then I'll do a, um, a spirit run with that. That way you get a little more flavor, but you're not waiting. You're not doing a run for 5% ABV for like yeah. four or five hours. You're stripping out, and then you're getting a final ABV of, I don't know, like 40 50%, and you're, I'm running that. So that seems like it works better for me. Um, and I do a few things in the thumper I can't really talk about. but um, Can't give away but, all your secrets, man. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Next question. But, but, Next question. Yeah, but if, you, if, you watch, if you watch the show and what I did in the thumper is pretty close to what I do from all of my liquors pretty much. As, as far as like getting the, the flavors and things like that mm-hmm. in the thumper, that's nice. pretty much the, the, the technique that I use, that, that I use on the show. That's awesome. Okay. So what's your favorite thing to make? Um, I mean, corn moonshine. I mean, it, it's so versatile. You can make it into a bourbon. You, um, you like that white corn? Are you more white corn, yellow corn? Yeah, I I, I got a silver silver king from uh, Vaughn, and that I like. I really like that a lot. It has a nice sweet flavor to it. But it converts well. Um, and then I'll put yellow sweet corn in my thumper. So like I, I'll do that too, just add a little more corn flavor and a few other things in the thumper too that I yeah, like yeah, said yeah. I don't want to say, but that yeah. that's kind of that, that that's what gives our our moonshine like its signature corn flavor. Okay, well, God, I look forward to trying it. So absolutely, we're we're all going to band together. We're all going to band together. We got like there's like six people down here. They're all in our comment section. They all live within like twenty or thirty minutes of me and Sean. We're going to band together, come up there, and then we're going to venture over to Michigan with our Ohio State stuff on. Flip people <laughs> yeah, I want to say Ann Arbor's like maybe an hour drive from here. I ain't so driving not, that far. far away. <laughs> I ain't going that far in. I, I go over the state line to get my licks in. And then, <laughs> then I'm, back, I'm back home where I belong. So you know how it is. So. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, um, yeah, we actually have our corn in a few places down there. I want to say Athens, Kroger's, and um, Logan, Kroger's, and a few other uh, had, our, had our sweet corn for a while. Um, but um, yeah, there's a few stores down there that carry that carry it still in nice. Southern Ohio. Now, do you yeah, have anything in the Dayton area yet? I no, um, I- no, no, not yet. Um, the I think the closest to Dayton we have is um, our uh, Wade Jennings Bloody Butcher Bourbon got picked up in Fairfield. I don't know if that how far away that okay. is. Okay, uh, Jungle, Jungle Gyms Fairfield. Yeah, Fairfield is yep. about uh, thirty minutes south of us. It's just north of Cincinnati. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Jenny's been wanting to get down there, so we're gonna have to get down there, and I'm gonna have to pick a bottle right up. You know, is that Bloody Butcher? It, yeah. That that is Bloody Butcher. Um. Now it it's not that's not from Schoolhouse 1862 because it was in the barrel for three years. I actually got it from another farm here, actually in Indiana. Um. But it's been in the barrel for three years, and I just really started working with Vaughn. I would say about a year ago. Um. But I'm looking forward to using his Bloody Butcher and other bourbons and, and whiskeys and things like that. I actually use it in a beer that we make called Eye for an Eye at Father John's Microbrewery where I brew at, and uh, it gives it a nice red color. And then I don't I don't know if anyone's really used Bloody Butcher in a beer before, but it really gives it a good like yeah. I, I don't want to say um, corn flavor, but there's like um, 
almost like a spice or like a blackberry, like a raspberry kind of flavor that does really well in a in a pale ale. So if you ever if you homebrew, definitely try some Bloody Butcher in your in your mash. That works yes. really well. Have you got to work with that uh, Jimmy Red yet? No, um, I haven't got a chance. I had a guy from South Carolina said he grew some and he wanted me to come down and get it. I'm like, dude, I cannot see myself going all the way down to South Carolina to get corn. I'm sorry. From this corn <laughs> yeah, up here. <laughs> yeah. And he's like, oh, I got this Jimmy Red, man. You got to come down there. So um, I, I told myself I'm going to take a take some time this summer and get on the road and get down there to visit everybody that's inviting me down uh, to see their farms and what they're growing and try some of their corn. That's cool. I get you Jimmy Red a lot closer. Oh, so, really? Here in Ohio? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Huh. So maybe uh, we come up and see you. If I got an extra bag, I'll bring it to you and let you work some magic with it. Yeah, I was going to say, maybe we can make a mash, you know. I'm normally uh, mashing in and uh, and distilling uh, by myself because I'm, I'm a one-man show up there. But, you know, it's it, it's been nice to have some, some company. So. <laughs> I, I don't know if you would call me and Sean good company. But... <laughs> <laughs> hey, shit over you're... and break if, you call, if, I'm good if, company. If you hate Michigan, you are. <laughs> All right, I'm good company. I don't know about Sean though. He's kind of he's kind of iffy sometimes. So I just kind of sit down and let someone else do the work. That's all yeah, I have to do. That's, that's, yeah, that's I know, what I'm waiting for. I know how it goes. So <laughs> I know how yeah, it goes. My oldest son is uh, 16. I told him like, man, as soon as you're 18, 19, you're gonna be coming in here and helping me as much as I, you know, as you can because I really. Uh, he kind of stands around and watches me work too. So I'm, I'm going to get him started and learn how to distill and all that stuff. And he's not really taking it serious right now, but think about all the people that we know that say I've been distilling since I was 16 yeah. or 15. Yeah. I, I told him like, dude, if you start now and you start learning stuff, you'll be able to really be able to say that and actually be true versus everyone. A lot of people that we know that, you know, brag on how they uh, started distilling when they were five or six years old. But yeah, see, my kids are teenagers. It's always just, you're weird. What are you looking at? Why are you looking yeah, at me? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You're weird. Yeah, you're yeah. weird. Stop looking at me. Right. Get out of my room. <laughs> yeah. I have some money. <laughs> so, but yeah, I told, I told him, like, man, if you just started now, learn everything, you know, from the ground up. Not that he's going to be drinking any alcohol, but learning the, the craft that he'll be able to say that. You know, I've been, you know, hope my dad since I was 15, 16 yeah. years old. And that, that, that's the thing that he doesn't think about now, but later on in life, I mean, that's going to be memories and that he's going to be able to brag on later. Yeah, he'll be glad he did. You know, they don't, you know, just like when you was a teenager, you didn't think about stuff. And then you look back like, man, I remember doing that. That was awesome. Yeah. So. I mean, what, one of the things is like talking to my grandpa, because I wish I could have talked about a lot of the stuff that he did. But like I said, I mean, I'm just like my son. It's like, whatever, you know, I'm not. I hung out with, yeah. with him a lot and taught me how to ride a horse and we spent a lot of time in the hills down there, but we never, I never got a chance to talk to him about what he did when he was younger, you yeah. know? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I wish I had that kind of time to kind of, you know, learn more about what he did and our family history down there. Um, so I would tell my, my boys like, you know, take advantage of this time while I'm here or your grandpa's mm-hmm. here. That way, you know, you can remember yeah. these things and pass it on to your kids too. So. I ain't going to be here forever. So you better enjoy okay. me while I'm here. So yeah. enjoy yeah. my weirdness. <laughs> yeah. Well, they always say it's not what you leave to them. It's what you leave in them. Yeah, absolutely. So, but yeah, it's, um, you know, I, I try to like pass down the traditions and what I learned over to my kids. And I'm looking forward to them getting older enough that make the decision that they're going to come into brewing or distilling um, I'm kind of going to leave that up to them. 
Yeah, you know, you don't want to push them. Like, you know, I, yeah. I grew up playing sports, football ever since I was a little kid. And I, just, I ain't pushed my kids into that. And, you know, I haven't shown interest yet, so I don't push it. And right. let them do their thing, you know, let them do their thing. So Yeah, and I, I see parents all the time that the um, – push the kids for sports and you can just tell that the kids are just miserable. I'm like, yeah, just let, let them be kids. They'll, they'll find their way. They want to do something else, you know? And I'm kind of like that with, with, with my, my kids. All four yeah, you, I was, I was an adult as a young, as a young child, I was an adult, <laughs> you know, like you raise yourself, take care of yourself. You know, you want some money, go earn it. Yeah. And you know, you feel like and as you're older, you look back like, man, I really missed out on being a child, you know? And, and so like, it's important to, if you have the opportunity and that's the way you grew up, you're like, look, man, I want my kids to be kids as long as they can. No worries. No adult right. stresses when you're 12 years old or anything like that. You know, be a child and do what you want to do. And then, and then when they're 16, 17, that's when you really push you know, hard about work ethic and yep. working a job and being honest and dependable and, and all the rest of that. So especially when they're first starting to drive and really get yep. out there in the world but you know they they see you work that way your whole life work ethic provide for them be a good person and so you know it's ingrained in them without just because of who you are what you what kind of person you are and right the example you set for them growing up as, as a father so yeah absolutely so where do you see your your yourself your distillery in say 10 years what's your what kind of goals do you have in mind for that well right now um just like I was saying about a lot of distillers are where it's either you're going to grow or you're going to get um, do a merger or you're going to do a buyout. So we're kind of looking at it, a lot of different things right now. Um, um, I'm small, but we have a lot of opportunities with labels like with Huck and Van and, and Way that they can go nationwide easily if, if we had the right management team um, and the right capital behind it. So that's kind of where I'm at right now. I mean, it's like it's all fun and games and when it, when you're making liquor, but running the distillery, there's a lot of business behind that that you don't really even think about. Um, and there's a lot of tough decisions that you have to make to take it to the next level or to pay the next bill. Um, that was the biggest thing for me to kind of learn that is a grind as far as production. But like, if you are small, you get to wear a lot of different hats. Um, absolutely. You're going to be doing, making some tough business decisions too um, with a lawyer, with an accountant, um, so for us, I mean, I see myself probably um, handing over um, Flat Rock to someone, a new management team that's going to take it to the next level. That's something that I can't really do as a one person show. Um, I think it has a lot of potential. I think it can do some great things um, across Ohio. I mean, like I said, we got ways and a lot of different um, liquor stores right now and, and he's selling. Um, but I think moving forward, I would definitely like to to see someone else come in and help, you know, kind of expand the business and, and take it to the next level. Um, and like I said, I just want to sit back in the racket chair and watch this still run. I don't want to go into <laughs> yeah. meetings and I don't want to have to have to talk to anyone about, well, we need to do a quarterly financial meeting. I don't want to do any of that shit. I just want to sit back and just like I see these guys do at these distilleries, there's always one guy with a beard and he's got kind of sitting there and he's, got a little bit of moonshine and he's just watching everybody walk back and forth that's what i want to be i want to be that guy um because i don't, uh, I don't ever want to clean anything ever again yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> ever again do i ever want to clean anything yeah cl cleaning and like i said financial meetings and budgets and all this other stuff that you never really think about when you're just running liquor yeah um, but I, it is it is a part of the business you know it really is that, oh, that's yeah. the goal just just run liquor 
just right. brown liquor. Right. Well, that's the fun part of it, you know, like the business. Right. The business and, and, and the startup, I feel like, would be uh, real uneasy and stressful. Yeah, yeah. You yeah, know, everybody wants to do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's time and, to do and, it. Yeah, and then, and then when you do it, you find that you have um, – you have success because it's a brand new business. So everybody wants to know about it. But then after a few months, depending on where you are, the kind of newness kind of um, comes down and then you kind of plateau. And then it's like, you're just rolling, trying to go to the next release and the next yeah. liquor, um, the next tasting. And it's just a never ending um, cycle that you're just trying to sell, sell, sell all yeah. the time. Trying, trying to get new people in the door. And, right. and like you said, I mean, that's hard when you're small in a small town and, you know, it, it, that could be difficult, you know, like, um, it kind of reminds me why, you know, I, I always talk about when I go out to West Virginia to those distilleries, it's like, there's a distillery up on a, a foothill and that's all there is, you know, it's like, right. you have, you have to drive there and it's like, how do you guys make it? And he's like, how oh, you know the name? And I've been here a long time. Right. <laughs> so, yep. yep. Everybody, everybody from around comes from my liquor because I'm the only place around. And, right. Right. Yep. And he was illegal for a long time before he went legal. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah sure, he had a, a nice clientele already. You know, so. Right. And things like but that yeah. like make a big difference, too. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And that's um, having the history behind it and um, being known already, that does really mm -hmm. make a difference. When oh, it comes yeah. Because, because, I mean, we, we see a lot of the bigger distilleries um, that have millions of dollars in advertising. It's not really about the um, quality of their liquor. It's about the quality of their advertising and marketing. Mm -hmm. um, that's really what, what's selling the liquor, how slick it is, and the, and the jar or the commercial or, or their Facebook presence. Those yeah. are all things that are well thought out to get you to buy their product, and their product may not be. Even yeah, I mean, let, let, let's, be, let's be real. Some of the worst stuff that you'll ever taste is some of the biggest names out there. Right, <laughs> at least right. some some of the worst stuff I've ever tasted has been some of the bigger names. You know, Absolutely, we're, we're not gonna hate and drop names, but we, we all know, like <laughs> you know, it's just like, oh, dude, how how do people like that? It just I just don't get it, you know. But yeah, for, it, it, and that, and you see people online, they're like, oh, it's so good, and, and I'm like, I it's all about that perception and marketing, and, they, and these guys are good at um, getting you to buy things that it may yeah. not necessarily be good at all, but you know the and, marketing behind that yeah. and you know for most of them they don't know what really good alcohol is because like when you make it yourself you strive for that perfection so you know the difference between and, and oh yeah right <laughs> so. yeah absolutely. well and, and that's another thing too like anybody that's used to drinking say uncle jet uh, is it is it Uncle Jesse's sour mash or yeah Uncle simple? Jesse's simple sour mash yeah you mm. you go from that to full conversion corn right that's a complete different ball game and anybody complete. that's never had complete you know they're like no oh, way it's supposed to taste like yeah mm -hmm. so but i mean I'll there's just... there's a big part about it too like when you go into the tastings and there's a lot of different flavored liquors because i i mean there there is a big market for flavored moonshines and there's a few big distillers that actually do it well because they're dumping a lot of sugar in, into um, these products and so it is sweet um, so you get a lot of that on the market too and that so that people really don't even know what moonshine is supposed to taste like and I know people are going to say well what is moonshine supposed to taste like well the, all the base is going to be you know corn moonshine if it's strawberry or blackberry or whatever the base is always going to be that um, be that moonshine that they're supposedly running at, at the distillery 
Mm-hmm. But, but yeah, it's all about marketing and advertising. I mean, it's, that's that's really what sells a lot of these brands. That's, um, what, that's what sells everything, you know. Like, yeah. If it's shiny, it's got to be shiny. You know, you catch an eye, and if it's shiny, then you're gonna want it. You know, we're all we're all just cats swiping it, swiping right. it, chandeliers. You know, like, well, it's well, shiny. And, <laughs> it's shiny. So, and, and um, and, and bourbon is kind of one of those prime examples how mass hysteria about one product can really mm-hmm. just run wild, and it oh, doesn't yeah. have to be a- advertising. Like you can just have five or six people saying, "Oh my God, this really rare bourbon's coming that no one else can get." may not be a really good bourbon but the fact that it's well sought after mm-hmm. people will sit and stand in line and try to win lotteries to get these bottles yeah. um, i've, t- I've so, tasted 200 dollars bourbon that w- w- tasted like uh you know i've had better 20 dollars bourbon <laughs> so, you know it's just it's, <clears throat> makes sense all about the name man you know like yeah you know we, uh, we buy your kids jordans because of the name and you, you spend a ton of extra money and they're the same shoes you can get you know, at the local store for next to nothing. So it's yep. just, it's, it's all about who markets it and who, who's yeah, got the, who's got the deeper pockets to push it. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yep, yep. And you want to, and like I said, with bourbon, it's about, um, look what I got. You know, you always see mm-hmm. people with those bottles of Weller or whatever. Yeah. Like, oh, look, look what I found at. I paid $500 yeah, for yeah. this bottle. And, and, like, and waited four hours. And I know. Yeah, and it's like, well, hey, man, that's what you enjoy. Congratulations to you. You know, I'm I'm glad to see you happy. That's not my yep. deal. I'm not dropping five hundred dollars on a bottle of nothing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and a lot of them don't even open it. They'll just sit up on their on their uh, shelf and yeah. they'll let people look at it. You know, as opposed to drink it. <laughs> hold Man, this. Hold this. You, you know, my that's that's a problem of mine. If I've got a bottle of liquor, it's meant to be drank. Yeah. Right. Anybody you know, anybody that comes over, they point at something. I'm like, man, get you a drink of that. Go ahead and try that. <laughs> Like, right, try, sure? <laughs> yeah, try you some of that, man. Like, oh yeah, that there. Try you some of that too. You know what? Go ahead, try this. Try that. Try this. Try that. You gonna <laughs> right. need, you, better, you better call the old lady to come pick you up, man. She's gonna be <laughs> mad when she gets here. <laughs> Hell yeah. So, uh, but for before we get off here, I've got one more question. Okay. What's the smallest still you've ever ran, and what's the biggest one you've ever ran or been around? Small- um, the smallest still I ever ran was a five gallon. Um, that was that was the smallest one I ran with, with somebody else. That that was pretty much my first run. Say first one. That, uh-huh. And the biggest one. Um, you don't have to say uh, who or nothing. <laughs> I, I I actually got to run on a submarine pot still, and I think mm-hmm. it was two hundred and forty gallons or two hundred fifty nice. gallons. That's a big boy. No shit. And and if you've ever been around one of these submarine pots, I mean they're huge, but yeah. you just don't understand how like physically you can hold the mash. You know what I mean? Like it's wood and it's um it's a sheet pretty thin sheet, sheet yeah. of uh, copper. Copper. You, sheet I, 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 yeah. I'm like, I don't even want to stand by it because <laughs> you you see you see them on the show, but you don't realize that when you're there, it's the woods making noises, expanding, and there's popping and dinging, and I'm like I'm like, I don't understand how Man. this thing is actually keeping pressure and you know it's they're pretty uh, ingenious. Not to make your butthole pucker like that still popping when you yeah. stand right by it. You're like, oh yeah. god, am I am I dead? <laughs> am I dead? Is yeah, this an episode of Ghost? <laughs> yeah, they were, they were using stainless, propane man. underneath it, and I'm like, man, I, just, I don't understand how they even came up with the concept to to make the pot that you know submarine still so big and 
using wood too and you know it's yeah it's, it's like it, it ain't leaking and it's making good liquor you're just it's right. amazing you know some yeah. things you just have to marvel at the ingenuity yep. somebody from a long time ago in the backwoods was like you know what let's make it like this and it's we don't like, have a lot of copper yep yeah we we got we got sheets of stainless and we got we got pine let's let's make this big old submarine pot and let's get it you know <laughs> so yeah absolutely that's awesome Hell yeah. Well, I think we're coming on the end here. We've been here over an hour. Um, you know, uh, we we talked about Kevin Gordon earlier. He's going to be a guest on the show later on. Um, we're uh, we're we're booked out till March already. Oh, wow. So, yeah. so um, and that's and March is filling up too. So, if you want to be on, you better call Sean and have him put you in the books. So, we definitely didn't yep. expect that, and you know, we're grateful. <laughs> we're grateful anybody that wants to come yeah, on that's here. Really cool. Uh, Wednesday, we're we're going to be at um, we're going to be at Frickers in Springfield. Me and Sean and a couple hmm. other shiners for a uh, Matt Brown's watch party for his episode right. on the twenty fifth. Right. Um, it's going to be yeah. cool watching him him and JJ go at it. Um, I hope JJ beats him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's uh, all. Right. We're all going to give him a little shit, you know. Yeah, it's going right, to be right. a great time. It's going to be a great time. So, <laughs> um, like I said, we're. Grateful and honored to have you on here, Lawrence. Um, best of luck yeah, to you in, in, in the distillery. Um, you know, anything that we might can help with, just let us know. We're always down to help. And, and you know, I'm sure we'll be uh, picking your brain about a few things here and there and get all these guys together. We're going to come up and see you. So, Yeah, I was going to say, um, if anyone has any questions about starting a distillery or opening a brewery or anything like that, just hit me up. Um, a lot of people do. Um, I don't have a problem, you know, answering questions. I've been through it all with legal stuff and, you know, the um, the licenses and all that stuff. So I'm, I'm here to help anybody that needs help. Um, and if you ever want to meet up in person, I'm always at Father John's Microbrewery. Uh, we got an Airbnb there, really great restaurant. So if you want to come up and stay and kind of go yeah. through opening the distillery and all this stuff, we're more, our door is always open. I just, I just want to come up and drink liquor, so. Oh, well, come on up. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get it. Let's get it. Yep. Uh, yeah, we say we're honored. We're thankful to have you on. Um, yes, sir. And everybody for listening, we'll be back next Monday. Um, I don't know who the guest is. Sean tells me like uh, two days before <laughs> when I see an ad. And then I'm like, who's that person? Who's this? And I, I kind of like it like that. You know, I don't mind it. It's a surprise for me, too. So. Right. John, cool, thanks man. for joining us. I hope you had a great weekend. Uh, Lawrence, I hope you had a great weekend. I hope everybody has a great yeah, week. Sure. And um, have a great night. Everybody shine on. Shine on. Shine on, man.